Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Game Football Podcast from The Times. Today we react to Cristiano Ronaldo's explosive interview with Piers Morgan. What does it mean for his future at the club and why has he done it? We'll also react to the club's win over Fulham in the Premier League as Alejandro Garnacho announces himself possibly as Ronaldo's replacement. We'll talk about Brentford's win, couple of goals for Ivan Toney against Manchester City. Big dent to their title hopes. Could Marcelo Bielsa be the answer for Bournemouth? We'll also talk about Newcastle title hopes is that right or is it just top four hopes after their victory over Chelsea we'll talk about that and much more on the game Hello again. Welcome back to the Game Podcast. I am Hugh Wizencroft alongside Alison Rudd and Gregor Robertson. Where should we start? It's, it's difficult to know where. Shall I mention two words? Yeah, okay. Cristiano Ronaldo. Let's start with him. He's given what's been described as an explosive interview to Piers Morgan, launching an astonishing attack on Manchester United, his club, and the manager, Eric Ten Hag, as well. Uh, He told Talk TV and Piers Morgan that he feels betrayed by the club. He declared he has no respect for Ten Hag. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. It's it's all very serious. I don't know if you've seen social media today. This is a big, big story. Uh, He claimed there'd been no evolution at the club since Sir Alex Ferguson left in 2013 and said that last season's interim boss, Ralph Rannick, wasn't even a coach. Here's a snippet. I don't know what's going on, but since since the um, Sir Alex Ferguson left, I saw not evolution in the club. The progress was zero. For example, we have an interesting point that how the club as Manchester United after suck um, Ole, mm-hmm. they buy they bring sport directive Ralph Regnick, which is something that nobody understand. This guy is not even a coach. A bigger club like Manchester United bring sport directive. Surprise not only me, but all the world. You know, nothing changed. Surprisingly, not only the pool, the jacuzzi, even the gym. Even some points in technology, the kitchen, the chefs, <laughs> which is I appreciate, lovely, lovely persons. They stop in a, in a time which is... is it surprised me a lot. I thought I will see different things, different, as I mentioned before, technology, infrastructure. But unfortunately, we see many things that I'm used to see when I was 20, 21, 23. So 
surprised me a lot. Now, I don't think any of us around the table have been into the kitchens at the training ground at Carrington and Manchester United, so we're not going to dissect what the lunches are like and, and give you our food critic review. We'll leave that up to Giles Corrin. But we have to actually talk about Cristiano Ronaldo um, and why he's done this. Now, I just actually don't get all the hand-wringing over it. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't change anything. We knew he didn't want to be there. We knew Eric Ten Hag didn't want to play him. All it is, is Cristiano Ronaldo putting the final nail in the coffin, making sure that he is going to go in January. And actually, I think what he's trying to make sure happens is that Manchester United release him from his contract. So there's no messing about in January. We shake hands and leave. I'm not good for the changing room. You all know that. I'm not even good for you on the pitch most of the time. I'm not what the manager wants. It doesn't work for any of us. Let's just, you know, agree to disagree and walk away. That's it. Go our separate ways. And I think he's been, well, I say clever. He hasn't exactly endeared himself to the Manchester United fans. But if you wanted to put the final nail in the coffin, this is it. You know, this, I, I'm actually, you know, quite philosophical about it. I'm not annoyed. You know, everyone's got their own reasons. And, and this is, you know, I think a pretty clear one. Well, there's there's always a reason people do exclusive interviews and talk openly about things that are normally secret. Clearly, he has something here. I'm not going to call it an agenda. I think it's perfectly reasonable that it's gone horribly wrong and he wants out. And he's only got a matter of, I don't know, months, not years left of his career, really. He doesn't want it to... I don't know, peter out like the damp squib. He wants to go out somewhere else where he's loved and fated and when they have banners and where him being on the pitch is the highlight of the day, not not the, oh, really, do we need him there? So I, I get it completely. I think there are some serious things in his interview. I think if it's true that there's been very little empathy about his child dying and one being ill in hospital and not being given... Um, the time to deal with that properly and the understanding of how that might affect his ability to turn up, you know, to training and train well and so on, that that's appalling. I mean, in, he's talking about Old Trafford being steeped in the past. Those are attitudes that are 20 to 30 years out of date. We're supposed to be more grown up now about dealing with how things off the pitch can affect you on it and you'd all be better off all around if you understood what each individual player might be going through in their personal lives. So, I mean, if that is true, then Ten Hag needs to sort of stop and think, have I gone too far too quickly in trying to instill discipline at the club? If he thinks instilling discipline is to waft away any any problems that serious personal problems his players have, then he's gone too far, hasn't he? So I think that's a serious thing and it shouldn't be made as part of the big joke of oh you know jacuzzis and kitchens and so on because that's a separate issue altogether and a serious one but we've known for a long time that Old Trafford is a crumbling edifice and it just, so it doesn't surprise us that the training ground is also the same and these things need to be said because there's a lot of money oh, curdling around but it doesn't seem to be going in the right places most clubs that have ambition are thinking about expansion you know the latest one is the new owners of Chelsea thinking about how to expand Stamford Bridge. Do they go for a new stadium or expand what they've got? Anfield's getting bigger. P clubs realise they have to keep up. They have to make themselves glossier, more magnificent. And Man United just seem to have been in this state of neglect. And sometimes it takes someone who was there in the glory years, who goes away, comes back and goes, whoa, my goodness, nothing's changed. That's worth hearing.
not on Piers Morgan's show, so I'm afraid. Where, where, where was he meant to say it? He doesn't need to say it. It's not his job. We know we already knew it. He's not told us anything new there. But, sorry, the, the kitchens and the staff. I'm sure, like, come on, I'm not buying that either. Man United aren't aren't like at the cutting edge of nutritional <laughs> advice and and uh, offering for the players. I, I find that very very unlikely. So I think. Oh, yeah, maybe the maybe the jacuzzi's looking a bit tired. Maybe there's a bit of lime scale on it. Maybe like the gym's not got the most like a specific piece of machinery that he wants, and he has in his own house. Whatever Ronaldo's pretty kind of detail about things. I'm pretty sure they would buy it for him if he asked. So we don't need Ronaldo to tell us these things, and we specifically don't need him to do it on a like a unauthorized exclusive TV show. We don't know it's unauthorized. Fair play to Piers Morgan for getting this. Absolutely. We do know it's unauthorised. Well, he might have just said I'm sitting down with Piers Morgan like he has done before. He might he might not have told the club he's going to tear them to shreds. Or that he was going to do it on the night that they had a really positive evening and uh, a young guy broke, you know, came in, scored a late winner. Mm. Um, I, I reckon he did the interview a while ago. Maybe. Anyway, mm. my point is, yeah, fair enough. I, I'm sure he, I'm sure also Ten Hag would refute. I'm sure he will refute anything about a lack of empathy, and I'm sure the club will too. I'm not sure we can ever really know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we do not need Ronaldo telling us things about the problems within Manchester United. We know them all already. We have for a long time. We know that there are people. Uh, you know, we we know it was ridiculous that Ralph Anyet got the got the job. We know that there are there is no real structure there, and there's people that he says two or three other people around the you know above the manager, who who have made it clear they don't really want him in the club. Well, who brought him to the club? I would I'd also find that pretty hard to believe that he would be brought to the club if they didn't want him there in the first place and maybe when he turned up they realised they'd made a mistake but the, the the main thing we have to say is he wants to leave Man United don't want him to leave or even if they do he wants to go more than Man United want, want him to want to move him on so the, this is his agenda and his move and his his well, prerogative. His, no, this is this is what this but, is what but, he's taken this this stance and he's taken this action. Man United are happy to have him and have him on the bench and introduce him when they want. And I, I've said already in the past, I feel that it was if he, they weren't going to play him regularly, the idea of having Ronaldo on the bench and and being happy and quiet was ludicrous. So they probably should have moved him on in the summer, but they chose not to, and they were within the rights to do so. Well, that's the thing that I was going to come back on. I don't necessarily agree with him doing the interview, but he did make it pretty clear in the summer he wanted to leave. I imagine he thought, well, they they will release me. You know, it's it's I'm Cristiano Ronaldo. They're not going to sit there and say, if you want to buy me 60 million quid, I don't think they were going to sit there and say, we want loads of money back. Like I told you in the summer, I think they kept him for commercial reasons. Ten Hag didn't want him to stay. So all this like, oh, and Ten Hag said it himself, well, we can work together, this, that, and the other. He was being told as a new manager of the club, we need to keep hold of him, at least during this window, because all of the extra 15, 20% on our sponsorship deals that people have come forward during the summer wanting to be involved in, wanting to use his image for this season, if he leaves during the transfer window, they, they're not going to pay us. It was a totally, I mean, Louis van Gaal was right. It's a commercial football club. I'm not surprised that Cristiano Ronaldo or any player would have issues with the infrastructure at Manchester United, which we all know the Glazers haven't really invested in, including the stadium. But I, I, listen, I, I really need to ask you as an ex-player, I imagine there are players that you've worked with, played with, obviously not, not, Ronaldo, not, no, not, not on the same <laughs> scale as Cristiano Ronaldo, but 
who have had issues, who've wanted to leave the football club, if you were him as a player, what what else would you be doing here? The formal no. the formal transfer request? Yeah, what no, would no, you... no. This is just like a global superstars version of refusing to train. Yeah. And some people say he's done that already, but th- that ties in with Alison's point. We don't know how, you know, whether yeah. he said that was for personal reasons. Uh, you, know, you know, he, he walked off against yeah, Spurs as well we know that on, you yeah. can't have done these things but they're little glimpses and they've been amplified because it's Ronaldo but that's what that's what this is this is just like a global superstars version of being the bad egg basically saying I'm not I'm not going to play tr- trying to have a row with the manager trying to do anything you can to kick up a fuss and yeah. leave he's just got to do it on a global platform and make Man, make Man United look bad and make Man United think okay we need to cut ties now we'll do anything we can to, to make that happen and then he gets to go where he wants but the, 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 that is another point worth kind of discussing. Who's going to want him now? Like you're saying, yeah, he wanted to go on a free. That maybe would have opened up options slightly. But well, I apparently, think this, is, this, part of apparently his, this he... is part of his problem. He's kind of looking around, going, right, "What's the next move?" And and maybe maybe someone would say, "We'll take you mm. if you can get out on a free." That's yeah. why he's doing this. Well, I thought he was going to go to Paris Saint Germain. I still think he probably will. To be perfectly honest just to get over the line in the Champions League and Mbappe was unhappy that he didn't have a number nine bought for him in the even, summer Ronaldo coming in on a free I mean he's more than good enough to play in the French League I don't he's think still good enough to play in the I Champions League I don't even League. think they're that daft well six months they'll shift a lot of Ronaldo shirts Ronaldo and Messi in the same team anyway I, dig- why we, I digress why are we well why are you dismissing that this might not come from a place of truth he, he did love Ronaldo did love Manchester United the first time around. And if he's foolish, it's probably that he came back with rose-tinted glasses thinking it would be the same and it would make him feel the same. And it clearly hasn't because everything changes. It wouldn't matter what who was in charge. It would be different. But who's to say this is all Machiavellian and completely self-serving? I. It sounds to me like there's at least an element of genuine regret that the club that gave him so many amazing memories and had a fantastic relationship with the fans that it's not it's not that anymore and it hasn't rebuilt as quickly or as effectively as it should it should have as one of the greatest clubs in the world no i absolutely believe that there is truth in that and he does love manchester united and he does look around and think and he's a little bit dismayed but that is towered over by his own personal ambitions and grief actually at the fading of his light and that kind of inability to accept that he's not being picked for football reasons. So he's trying to kind of look around and see he, when you look around when you're not playing and when you when you're feeling that hurt, you look around and you're you're far far more willing to pick out every little weakness and sorry every little failure and flaw in in a football club. And yeah, I'm sure he feels sad about that. But the main thing here is he's he's a fading light and and he's struggling to accept. But if if they were a fully functioning team that didn't need Ten Hag to perform what is still open heart surgery on them, let's face it. They, they, he's he's trying to catch up. He's trying to remedy quite a few seasons of decline. Ronaldo wouldn't be there then. then no, but he, he, would, he would fit in better because there would be a fully functioning team would cope with Ronaldo better than one that's got lots of flaws because you can't... You can't absorb someone of his age and lack of intense anyway. pressing ability, but he's still got lots and lots of other abilities yeah, that but you, you can't would be anyway. able to absorb. You, uh, can't, you can't absorb them these days. I just even think that argument, though, Gregor, is slightly flawed. 31 goals for club and country last season, and suddenly you get to this summer, and yeah, you want to play in a different style, 
And I can admit that, you know, but that's just, that's all players. You know, sometimes there's a system that doesn't suit the way that you play. Clearly, he's got some physical limitations. But as a footballer, there are plenty out there younger than him. We've never scored 31 goals in a season for club and country. He did it at 36 slash 37 years old. So the idea that he woke up this summer or at the start of the season and said, oh, I'm finished off the back of that. Or, I'm, you know, I don't think he's in denial. I think he still thinks he can play to a very high level. If he scored 20 goals this season, you know, and he was 21 years old, we'd be raving. Do you know what I mean? So He can, but he can't do it in a team that is of the stature of Manchester United and he can't do it in a team that want to play with any sort of coherent modern I, strategy. But I think he understood. So he could play for... But I think he did understand Aston Villa. that. But I think he did understand that. And that's why he asked to leave. Like he openly said, can I leave? Off the back of scoring 31 goals for club and country at Manchester United, he said, I should leave. So the, uh, the fact that Manchester United said, no, you're not going anywhere. And Eric Ten Hag sat down at his press conference and said, yeah, I spoke to Ronaldo and he's going to be in my plans. That's the issue. And by the way, Absolutely. I've said it, I've said it, I've, with that. but I've said, and I've said it before on the podcast. I think Manchester United by signing him in the first place created this issue. We said it earlier in the season. Like, did they honestly think, as you pointed out, that benching Cristiano Ronaldo would, would not lead to a circus of, of headlines and all of this? Like, we, I mean, come on. They, that actually underlines what he's saying though. And I think a lot of people think about Manchester United, that they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand football, if you like, that, that sort of, you know, overarching view of what football is. That happens with all superstars. Like there, are, you can put a number of players in the same role over history. If you put them on the bench, they're not going to be happy. So how do you deal with that situation? And the answer is, if you can't, if there's nothing to assuage the situation, you shouldn't be together. The club and that player don't belong together. You just put them somewhere else. And Man United had that choice, and they didn't just terminate the contract. You shouldn't care where he plays next. Okay. It's like breaking up with your partner and caring who they go out with next. You shouldn't <laughs> care. Like, it's not your problem anymore. Congratulations. It doesn't... I also... Th- I see, we seem to be on uh, different parts of the spectrum on this one, but... Gregor, but I feel that if, from the outside, it does look like Ten Hag has used Ronaldo as a political tool, uh, showing that he he has strength in the dressing room and that he's a no-nonsense, no-nonsense coach... And what he says goes. And if Ronaldo feels he is a pawn in this game of power, then then he does, given his career and his stats and his outstanding ability, he has every right to be miffed by that, I think. It's not any sort of player. He's being used and he wouldn't be being used unless he was Cristiano Ronaldo. It's almost gone full circle. It's the fact he's so, has such, is such an icon that that's almost he's being penalised for that because it shows Ten Hag in a powerful light yeah but I wouldn't I mean I'd be very surprised if Ten Hag Ten Hag's using, using him as a tool because he's I'm sorry if this is rude but he's behaved like a tool he's like has he, he though he, has he though he's been yeah. he's had some personal stuff that you know. Well, clearly, he's been, it's been well reported as well that he's been like a misery in the in the changing rooms, and he's not been a good person to be around the football club for a long time. And some of that might be in personal reasons. We don't again, we don't know everything about that. That's fair enough. But he's not been a good, he's not been a a positive presence at the football club. And then when he broke a fairly clear kind of rule by the club standards, Eric Ten Hag acted. And uh, you know, from my point of view, he didn't have any other option really. Um, and he was well supported for doing so, so I don't think Ten Hag is is kind of 
you know, aiming to use Cristiano Ronaldo as as someone that he can demonstrate his strength and the kind of power and this is new culture and this is where this uh, you know laying down the the iron fist. I think that issues have arisen and he's dealt with them as he's seen them b- uh, before him. And that's what a manager should do. A more relaxed, creative manager would have found a way to. He, he made them integrate. captain the next the, the next week and played them played them in the game the next week in Europe. That's fairly kind of you know he he put down he laid down the law. The next week he forgave him and he said, "Look, you let him wear the captain's yeah, armband." Beat in a B competition though. Oh God, it doesn't matter. That's where he's that's where he's playing just now. He shouldn't be in the team in in the Premier League. He won't be in the team in the Premier League. That's the fundamental reason why we're having this, this discussion. He is a Europa League striker at the moment. He's a player who can't play for the best teams in the world anymore. There's if he a, does, he's a bit part player and he's well, not willing to be that. So a, that's there, why he's, there we're is, having this discussion. There, there is a middle ground. It's not Europa League winners versus Champions League winners. Like He could play for a team in the Champions League, which who? is what he wanted to do. Well, half of them at least would have taken him. It, obviously, money being who? the only issue. Benfica. What do you mean? Also. What do you mean? He's cr- Sorry, did I mention he scored 31 goals in all competitions? What do you mean, who would take him? Someone would give him a chance, just in case he scores 15. Of course they would. The only issue is the money. If Cristiano Ronaldo went, by the way, it's the last couple of years of my career, I'll take 50 grand a week. How many offers do you think he'd get? I still think a lot of them would be from clubs, executives and money men, rather than the coaches. coaches yeah. Okay, maybe. I think some coaches might fancy that as well, though. Of course they would. Yeah, some, but some but would. just not. Right, if he, I'm just just for posterity on this podcast. If he signs for Paris Saint Germain in January, we're we're bringing that back. Like, all right, who's going to sign him? Not a top club in Europe. That will be a money man choice. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Is this the end? Definitely, we will not see Cristiano Ronaldo in a Manchester United shirt again. I mean, this is very very hard to come back from. He's you know openly said he he doesn't respect the manager of the club. He's slaughtered it from many different angles. <laughs> uh, I'd be amazed if there's any comeback from this. It's good. It's, it's it's good comedy, actually. Let's not get too serious about it. When he said of Ralph Ragnick, I'd never heard of him. I mean, that's a good line. And that he wasn't well, a coach. And that Wayne Rooney's jealous of him, and that he's getting not- a better, better looking than him as well. <laughs> which is kind of- the, the way that I read that was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek comment. Uh, we'll have to Maybe. see that one because it's on on paper in black and white. It looks very very harsh, but yeah. hopefully he had a little bit of a wry smile on his face. Yeah, you're probably right. Just as a Manchester United fan, I'm just I'm not even. I don't even think it for me it changes his his legacy or anything like that because I think I, I just How did you feel about him first time around? How how much did you love him? Ronaldo yeah. when he first played yeah, for the club yeah. obviously I mean I was but, no, you but, say obviously put it into words how did it make you how did he make you feel? No but he was just How did he make you feel? <laughs> Well, I guess, listen, I just want to put the caveat around it that I was much younger. Yeah, no, but so how did you it know, make you feel? The, the cynic that I am now, you know, was a very happier person back then. That's all I'm going to say. There's been trials and tribulations along the road. So it's hard to tap into the joy that I felt. <laughs> Wait, we were winning things. Let me just look back in time. Was, <laughs> Sir Alex Ferguson was in the dugout. The fans were happy. They were off their seats. The goal against Fulham, the free kicks. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. But do you know what? You can get complacent as a fan. Like he was a sure thing. Do you know what I mean? Like as great as he was, he was a sure thing. You just knew. It was like when Salah was scoring every week. You were just like, well, okay. You almost tried to look for another player that you could. Do you know what I mean? Who you could enjoy the journey. It was like, well, Ronaldo's going to score this week, so we can we don't have to worry about him. No, he was as brilliant as a Ballon d'Or winner deserves to be. 
And obviously, when he left, I think people were like quite happy for him because I actually think everyone says, oh, you know, every time you leave Man United, the only way is down and all that stuff. But in fact, if you leave for Real Madrid, I think every Man United fan would say, if they go to Real Madrid, that's all right. That's the only club that will accept it. And it was a bit like that with him. Great to see him win all these trophies at Real Madrid. So excited when he came back. I went and bought the Ronaldo shirt, as I mentioned, with seven on the back. Yeah, still hasn't come out of the packet. That one's just, you know, <laughs> probably probably wear it in my so coffee. Probably wear it in my coffee if I can still fit into it. No, no, no. But no, what do you mean? This says it all. <laughs> 36 years old, not meant to wear it, man. Um, but the point is, this time around, I blame the club for everything that's happened. I blame the club. I don't blame him. That's what I mean. When I saw uh, this, I when I saw I this interview, I do not blame Cristiano Ronaldo at all. Obviously, oh, he doesn't have to do it. No, but do you know why? And I, I've said this before and I will repeat this again. He is not a different Cristiano Ronaldo to the one we had the first time, the one that was at Real Madrid, who said negative things at times when he wanted things to go his way, threw his toys out the pram at Juventus and we still signed. Like, he's not different. He's not showing you different colours. He sat down with Piers Morgan before. Like, he tries to reveal things when it suits him. This is the same guy. So the idea that, like, it's all on him, I'm sorry, No. You took the cheater back and they cheated again. <laughs> to use my analogy from the dating circle once again, like <laughs> you should have seen this coming. So no, do you know what I mean? I just don't, do you know what I mean? Fool me once. I, I, I almost did the George W. Bush version there, but you get the point, right? And that's why I'm not too too disappointed with him. So anyway, anyway, the reason that I'm not too disappointed as well is we've unearthed the new Cristiano Ronaldo for God. I mean, who cares about the old one? Alejandro Garnacho. With a, a last minute, well, I say last minute, last minute, a stoppage time winner against Fulham in the Premier League this weekend. 18 years old. I mean, he's announced himself over the last two games. I went to the game at Old Trafford against Aston Villa in the EFL Cup. Unbelievable impact, to be honest. Two assists in the second half of that game. Um, I think he became the youngest player to assist two goals in the game for Manchester United. He then became the youngest player to score a 90th minute winner in the Premier League for Manchester United. Excuse me, in the Premier League since Federico Makeda against Aston Villa, but also for Manchester United. That was back in April 2009. So I think that actually provides some balance before I call him the new Cristiano Ronaldo because I'm pretty sure we said some pretty big things about Makeda on that day as well. Um, but some are calling him the next superstar. How impressed have you been? You were there. Yeah, I mean, instant, instant impact. Just so much confidence and swagger. Every time he gets the ball, there's just not a second thought. He just wants to run it at fullback. Be a nightmare to play against. He can go both ways. But the main thing is his kind of his mentality. You can see that he's he wants to be the the main man. He wants to be the centre, take centre stage. He wants to impact games, and he can back it up with his talents. So he was, yeah, it was a huge impact because Man- Manchester United were pretty poor. Let's be honest. Fulham were very unlucky not to take something from that game. But he found some. He he found that kind of moment of magic right at the end. And Eric Ten Hag saying afterwards that he thinks he can make a big impact between now and the end of the season. He kind of, I think he was late a few times in in the preseason tour in Thailand. Bruno Fernandez pointed out attitude yeah. issues. They've and all stuff. said that. That's they kept using that word attitude. Yeah. He needs to keep, keep doing what he's been doing in the last couple of months. And Eric Ten Hag saying, you know, I could just see that this was the, the right moment. He said, sometimes I'm wrong. Um, you've got to have an eye for these things. Sometimes I'm wrong, but he, you could tell that he was in a good, a good frame of mind just now. He'd been working hard, doing doing really well. If he continues like this, then also he's got to kind of everyone will recognise now. He said everyone knows who he is. Expectations will rise. He's a big player. He's got to meet that kind of challenge as well now. Young players, it's more difficult for. So it all seems to be focused around if he can be focused, 
and have the right mindset, work hard. The sky's the limit for him, and and I absolutely agree with that. He looks he looks like a a hell of a player. Which is why Man United have no leg to stand on if they're cross about the Cristiano Ronaldo interview, because there they are talking about a teenager and letting the world know he has attitude problems. That should stay in house. It shouldn't be. We shouldn't know so clearly that they've struggled with his attitude, mm. especially as he's been there a long time and they have a, a vuncular role at the very least with a young player. I, you know, they all go through hormone issues. I don't think that should be public knowledge, actually. Well, like immaturity as well. I mean, you're not. it's not like he's 30 years old. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree with that, yeah. Uh, particularly the, the late, you know, if you're actually talking about, you know, when he's broken rules, I don't think that needs to be made public. You can say that he's got to continue to be focused and work hard, that's obvious, but it has been repeated mm. on a number of occasions now, so that's probably putting a little bit more pressure on him than he... It might be counterproductive, you yeah. don't know, you yeah. don't know. Bit in Bill's column today that he was born the day after Ronaldo scored Portugal's uh, in Portugal's Euro semi-final against Holland. <laughs> I think Ronaldo will be feeling very old today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was actually, when I saw his date of birth a little bit earlier on, to be honest, let alone Cristiano Ronaldo. But um, it was a very important goal. Because, it was. Because yeah. it backs up my prediction that Denmark are going to win the World Cup. Because if you've got someone who can make a pass like that <laughs> in the form of Christian Eriksen, and that was his last touch of the ball before he goes off to Qatar. Yes, he's a very lovely player, which isn't a newsflash, to be honest. Hopefully he does have a nobody's in form. A good tournament, yeah. Having been yeah. dead for five minutes. I mean, come on, this is this is <laughs> this is the fairy tale. It's going to slap you all around your faces. I I am um, just on. Well, like, listen, I wanted to say on Fulham, but also on Manchester United. I guess Yao Polina saying the best team lost the game, um, and how lucky Manchester United were to win. But actually, it's not just this ninety minutes. I I do think they're an up and down side. Manchester United, despite their results. Um, the first half against Villa in the EFL Cup, the second half was brilliant. And so most people have forgotten about how incredibly poor they were at home in front of a full house, actually, in the third round of the League Cup. But um, but also Villa were in that game, which played a part. But but I have to say against Fulham as well. I mean, it's it may just be as simple as when we haven't got all of your first choice players in the starting 11, you're not a very good team and you need to get to the January transfer window as soon as possible. But also, I don't think his coaching, I have to say this, because, you know, Eric Ten Hag was meant to be the saviour, is consistent. And I'm, I'm slightly, as a Manchester United fan, I've got a few question marks over it because I just, you know... A bit like when you talk about Arsenal and Mikel Arteta and the fact that they just went, this is the style. Top teams have a philosophy and they're going to try and stick to it. He, th- he wavered. Say again? Arteta wavered. Yeah. Uh, became a defensive, far more defensive-minded oh, yeah, minded team. And then, so, you know, he's got to, he, he looked at his back four. He had, it was like, Luke Shaw looked like the giant among them. There was Martinez, Malassia right back, who had a difficult first half, actually. And uh, Lindelof. And sure, it's not you know it's not really a an elite no. elite back four. No, um, and United created a lot of chances in the front. Although Fulham Fulham are so on the front foot, Palinio snapping at the tackles, he's some machine. And like I think he won nine out of ten attempted tackles yeah. in the game. I he's saw. won more tackles in the Premier League than anyone else. At this One point. more tackles than any player in the top five leagues in Europe. Oh wow. Yeah, I interviewed him on Saturday, so you can read that. Same <laughs> subscribers, uh, <laughs> nice guy. But he he um, he was outstanding. But the one tackle he didn't win was for Man United's first goal. He's so in the front foot, he tries to get right in, and, and Eriksen poked it around him, and he scored. And Man United could have really, in reality, been out of sight in the first half, despite Fulham have had having most of the ball. You know, Fulham are a really good team to watch. 
believe with such energy and kind of ambition as well. Willian was had another really good game. Um, so and Ten Hag. So my point is, Ten Hag came back to that afterwards. He said, "We've got to, we've improved so many things. Our kind of belief, determination, resilience. You know, he's pointed to the fact that they've had another kind of late win there. Um, but to be a really good team now, we need to put these games to bed when we have the opportunities because he's saying they had the good chance in the first half, and there's some really good chances at the start of the second half, and then they allowed Fulham to come back into the game. So you're right, they are kind of Edmund and Fulham, but I would, I would personally say that's more down to them not, you know." Having a pretty weakened yeah, team, they, they mean, couldn't even fill, fill a bench. Would they have two goalkeepers on the bench as well, and and one man short? Yeah, but I mean, one one man's inconsistent coaching is another man's pragmatic coaching. Maybe he just feels he has to. He's at the stage where he he needs the results, so he just does what he can the, the to whole... get them. As opposed to he's not ready to have a philosophy where you can absorb bad performances in order to get to the end point. Uh, Everything we're seeing is pragmatic. I mean, we, we saw what he wanted to do in the first few games of the season and that was have your two centre half split and sit on the edge of the six-yard box and start playing out from the back and he's absolutely canned that and he had to. So everything we're seeing has got a, a an element of pragmatism about it. Mm, I'm concerned about what that means over the long term. That's all I'll say. I'm sure we'll revisit that uh, throughout the season. Anyway, that's Manchester United wrapped up. We're going to round off some of the big stories in the Premier League elsewhere next. But remember, if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you're subscribed. Remember, we've got World Cup previews, two of them, and specials to come. So hit that notification button and you will not miss one of our daily episodes. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, elsewhere in the Premier League uh, this weekend, Manchester City's title hopes taking a blow. Can they can they take a blow? Manchester City's title hopes are just are they just always great? Are they just, their title hopes are brilliant, no matter what happens. Even though they were beaten, a bit of a shock result, of course, two one at home by Brentford, just their third win in thirteen Premier League games. Ivan Tony was out to prove a point after his England exclusion for the World Cup, 
and he certainly did with both goals for the visitors. Only Mohamed Salah, Harry Kane and Song Hyun Min have scored more than Ivan Tony's 22 goals in the Premier League since the start of last season. So you can understand why Gareth Southgate left him out then. Uh, <laughs> what exactly um, are England missing with Ivan Tony? We got another glimpse, Alison. Yeah, no, everything. I mean, I've said many times, I, if I was England manager, I would take him. He is, you would get, probably he's the closest player that's like Harry Kane in that he's a versatile centre forward because Kane is very versatile and he, he will slot into any system you like. And we've seen how deep he can play for Spurs and how unselfish Harry Kane is. And Tony's like that. Tony isn't some sort of old-fashioned number nine poacher type. He's a bit like Harry Kane or more like Harry Kane than anyone else that is certainly going. But he would also, this is the big bonus, he could also play with Harry Kane. And I don't think that, I mean, and Southgate had the chance to test that out and he didn't take it, which is <gasps> criminal, I would suggest, because it, it, I honestly do, truly believe that could be one of the great partnerships because I've seen quite a bit of both Spurs and Brentford and I know they would play well together. Tony might have a certain image as a person, but as a player, he's very, very unselfish and very intuitive and would make all the right runs, he'd, get, he'd understand what was needed to dovetail with Kane and they could be lethal together. So it's uh, it's an absolute wasted opportunity, I think, just because Southgate doesn't know him and wasn't prepared to get to know him and there have been a few negative headlines about off-the-field stuff. Well, that's exactly what I was going to mention because, of course, there was, an, uh, 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 I guess, an FA probe um, into gambling allegations. Ivan Tony is a player. Um, I don't know if those have been resolved. I don't think they have because Gareth Southgate was asked about whether it played a part in his exclusion. And it's just one personal opinion, I have to state for the record, rather than our, our rule. And I don't know any facts about this, but I do think it had to have played a part because when Southgate was asked about Ivan Tony in the betting, he was basically asked if he was asked not to pick Ivan Tony. And he didn't say no. He said, we've not had that conversation because Tony wasn't in the squad, which obviously doesn't make much sense, you know, unless he was unless he was suggesting, had I picked him, that was the only way in which I would have been asked not to pick him. But he never actually said that it never played a part in his thinking. He never said, you know, it never came into it. It wasn't part of my view. He didn't go in depth. He just said, we never got to those conversations because Ivan Tony wasn't in the squad. And obviously, Ivan Tony was in the squad and never played. And none of us could understand why. So obviously, this is one of my conspiracy theories. None of, obviously, the, the FA and Gareth Southgate would deny that being a part of any reason why Ivan Tony was left out. But you just can't see a footballing reason why Ivan Tony was left out, can you? It's easier to say that after he's had a... A barnstorming weekend. No, I, well, he's had yeah. a barnstorming season. He has, you, but it was very me. close. It was very, it's been very close between him and Wilson. We have but they're to not be, the same we player. have to admit that. I, I, I don't see why it was between the two of them. Well, so the, they're not the same. Because they weren't both going to go. Similar. That's why it's between them. They're not both going to be picked. So it was between one of those two and Wilson's also had a very good season. I personally would have taken Tony as well. He offers three things for me. One is ob the obvious one about penalties. He's, he's got the best penalty record probably ever <laughs> mm. he's never missed um, and also his aerial prowess and his kind of ability with his back to goal I would say only Mitrovic mm. in the Premier League is could probably top him for those things um, you know that's what Guardiola very rarely do we see Pep Guardiola look so flummoxed after a game and so kind of open and sort of 
complimentary in fact about the other team's tactics and a big part of that was Ivan Tony. they couldn't really handle him if the ball gets played up to him it's a good ball into Ivan Tony. it's very hard for a defender to yeah. to beat him without fouling him two defenders yeah as I've noticed if you see him in the flesh so what what an alternative that is to have from the bench if you need if you need to change things up a little bit and perhaps go and try and find a winner or go and find an equaliser nice raking pass from Trent Alexander-Arnold straight Absolutely. to the head of Ivan Tony. you've won the World Cup what, what a wasted opportunity and the last thing for me is actually his mentality he's so confident yeah, he's got yeah. such self-belief and he's really happy boisterous kind of positive presence I, I, I saw that when he was a 17 year old at Northampton coming through he's like he's a, he's a good person to have around the place Frank always said Thomas Frank always says that and I know that from experience myself as well so there's no doubt about him fitting in or anything like that I wouldn't see it because that's been an issue for for Southgate he, although he's never said explicitly you know that there's been sometimes he doesn't want anyone who's got any kind of I don't know there's any sort of any semblance of someone going to be disrupting the harmony of the group or whatever it can't be that so I'm kind of with you here I think possibly it was so close between the two of them and he's didn't like the prospect of someone it's probably in all likelihood not going to be used that much because of Harry Kane possibly coming and bringing a little bit of baggage with him yeah yeah okay well I'm going to bang on about it I think throughout the World Cup so uh, get used to it because I think he should be there and I think we will miss having someone like him off the bench but anyway I wanted to talk about Manchester City who were probably the most on holiday team in in <laughs> European football this weekend I think we can all agree on that 10 of their starting 11 insulting to Brentford off that. to the World Cup what do you mean they had 29 shots 29 <laughs> Shots. Six what do you mean on, on holiday shots. team? Shots. 29 shots, six on target. They should win that game. I know Brentford played well on their game plan, etc., etc. Let me tell you how I know that they're on holiday. I interviewed Rodri on Friday and I asked Name him. Dropper. And I asked him, Ivan Tony will be out this weekend to prove a point because he's been left out of the England squad. Do you have a plan to deal with Ivan Tony? Have you spoken about it? And he sort of went, well, we don't really... Um, have plans for the opposition players. And I went, yeah, but you know, it's in your part of the field. He drops deep. He's very aggressive. He's a very good player. You know, what are you going to do about Ivan Tony? And he sort of went, we haven't discussed it. And I and I just rang my mates immediately and went, Ivan Tony's going to have a great game this weekend because Manchester City aren't, aren't thinking about him at all. They were all thinking about going to the World Cup and not being injured. And, and Brentford knew that. They shell-shocked them. Brentford, you're just saying about how many shots. Brentford had eight on target from 10 attempts. There you go. So I say Brentford. I'm not saying it? Brentford played badly. No, but yeah, man, obviously but City dominate, they, they dominate possession. Dominate they, possession, oh, have, have all the chances, have Haaland up front, score one goal off 29 shots. Yeah. Like that is not... You don't hurt yourself shooting more accurately. That's not the reason <laughs> they didn't win. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying they just weren't at it. They just weren't at it. No. Yeah. No. No, I think you're probably right there. And you get that from, again, from, from Regardiola's reaction afterwards. He looked like he was shell-shocked as well. Someone came with a, a new game plan, one that they didn't expect, and it absolutely rifled them. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. they didn't know what to do and he didn't have any answers. He made one substitute as well. Well, he's not going to have any perplexing. answers if Rodri's telling the truth and they never prepare for the opposition. Well, yeah, I found that weird. I mean, Might it's not, not true, true either. Yeah. No, he didn't say we never prepare for the opposition team. He said we never prepare for individuals, basically. Who do make up the opposition team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm sure they looked at Brentford's game plan, et cetera, et cetera. But it was so weird. I was like, 
Ivan Tony? Have you watched that? It was literally like, you know, you hear an answer and you're sort of like, have you watched Ivan Tony? You know, it's like, do you know who I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Like, he's definitely showing up with a point to prove at the Etihad and your centre-back should definitely be ready for that and so should you as the older midfielder. But anyway, you know, maybe they just thought we're so good we don't really, don't need to worry about Brentford. I guess that was the, maybe it's, you know, just complacency. But, um, you know, it was one of those performances that I think even though it was the game before the World Cups, people sort of say, look, this is the reason Arsenal can win the league because there are days where Manchester City just defensively you know they're not they're not a pre- they're not a Premier League defense. Do you know what I mean? Like I know they've won the Premier League so many times. They're not gritty, all right. You're not worried about entering their back four. You know, if, you know. Yeah, they still usually concede the fewest goals in the league. Yeah, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about aggression levels here. I'm not talking about yeah, quality. there are games where they obviously, can be like... the, obviously the quality is there, and they can just look your, your team. You know, you talk about conceding the fewest in the league, but if, obviously if you can't get the ball off them, you're not going to score. No. You don't sit and watch Manchester City's team and think, oh, Baresi, Maldi... You, do you know what I mean? For a side that wins as many games and as many trophies as they do, you know, you're sort of like Akanji. Oh, okay. Stones, all right. Laporte, mm. You know, there's, you know, all right, Ruben Diaz, who had a great first season, but again, you know, you're not looking at him like Virgil van Dijk at his peak. There's no... I'm not worried, obviously... It's just hard to get the ball off them. So not many teams score. And that's my point. You know, Ivan Tony's looking at that. He's not sitting there thinking I'm in for a game today. He's thinking these boys are in for a game today. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but if it was that easy, a lot more teams would do it. Let's be honest. It was also, well, it was also what, what Thomas Frank elected to do. And that the main thing, you know, anyone can play it long to, to a target man. It's about get being brave enough to get enough people around them and trust them to win the ball. And then they can play from there and the, and the opponent's half and it can that obviously takes out it completely negates Manchester Manchester City's high press so it was a it was a tactical it's not I wouldn't go quite as far to say a masterclass but it they did something really well that might seem obvious but it's it's still not easy to actually see through okay I'm just again I'm so fed up with people saying Man City are going to win the league that I'm just looking for absolutely anything anything at this point in time that doesn't make it a foregone conclusion Arsenal five points clear at this point in time and that's why I point to matches like this and say our well, City Arsenal, all Arsenal, that Arsenal have more they must have more hunger than City at this point as well I mean it, Arsenal were not on holiday were they for their final game before the international break so they have more hunger than City that's why they might win the title Let's talk about Bournemouth because the former Leeds manager Marcelo Bielsa, wow, could be coming back to the Premier League. He's spoken to the club about their vacant job. Um, of course, taking over from Scott Parker, who was sacked after just four matches. Gary O'Neill has been doing a pretty good job as the interim uh, ever since August. And of course, O'Neill could still get the job, but Bielsa would be a big name to bring in as the club enters a new era uh, under American businessman Bill Foley whenever his takeover does go through. Is bringing Bielsa to a club like Bournemouth a good idea? That's a hard one because it would be um, it'd be a big statement. Obviously, there's going to be new owners coming into the club, I think, in the next week, be confirmed. Um, it'd be a big kind of statement appointment. But What, appointing someone who's never won anything? That's not a statement, is it? Well, it's box office. He... Uh, he is, his football is enthralling if if not always successful I'll give you that but this is Bournemouth what's success going to be for Bournemouth staying, staying in the league that would be kind of like a statement appointment but he'd also come in like a wrecking ball 
and he would be it's a mid in, in mid season as well. I know you'd have a little period in the well the World Cups on to kind of work with these players, but you know everything we heard, we learned about his time at Leeds was about you know having the training ground to his exact specifications, the intensity of their training, everything would just be, it would be like a shock to the system, I think, for everyone. And they're in quite a they're in a good place. I mean, you said O'Neill's done quite a good job. I think he's done an outstanding job. He's yeah, he lost four games in the trot after a really good start to his time, but he's got, he's seen a response now, beating Everton twice in the space of a week. And you clear it's clear to see that the players enjoy playing for him and are playing for him. That's very important. I think personally they would be foolish to, to pass it up and, and to, to move him on. You could argue Bournemouth are the very last team in the Premier League who need murder ball. They don't need it. There are teams that could do with it, but not them. They've over, they've already overcome a huge, huge obstacle, which was having the manager who brought them up from the championship then saying publicly there isn't enough quality in the team to avoid consecutive 9-0, 9-0, 9-0 after the game at Anfield. And then he's let go quite rightly, really. You can't really have a relationship with a manager who says that. I'm talking about Scott Parker, of course. But they've they've turned it around, which is a massive mental achievement They've got the mentality. There's enough that they're playing, a, you know, greater than the sum of their parts. It's a team that isn't doing that that requires the murder ball tactician. So I don't see the need for Bielsa. It, it would be entirely a vanity project to say, I'm new in English football and I can appoint someone who I've heard is famous and is adored by a certain sector of the population. Which makes it eminently possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think, Bas, if, it's a big if, if they appointed Bielsa, what do you think it would say about their ambitions? Well, like I said, it doesn't yeah, mean they want Alison to win anything. Up, really. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure it would say much other than, as Alison said, it's like that they want, they, they're a, a, an ownership group that are willing to make statements in their appointments like that rather than just kind of perhaps seeing you know, testing the water at the football club and seeing where, where the land lies and what's best for it. Yeah, four defeats in 11 games for O'Neill as Bournemouth both. I know it's four games in a row, but I think it's pretty good to be honest. They played They played well in all of them. Yeah, mm. they did. They could have, yeah, They probably should have got wins in at least two of those. Yeah. Had, they had two goal leads. Um, I think if you look at the weekend, you've seen a, a pretty strong response to that run as well. Mm. Um, 3-0 win against Everton. The reaction of the Everton fans, pretty hilarious, got to say. <laughs> um, one win in seven for them under Frank Lampard. How concerned are we? That includes five defeats for them. Well, I, had, I had them down at the very start of the season as relegation candidates because I think not enough has changed from the dreadful season they did have and they, they were so, so close to being relegated. They are a club that is not run properly they're a club, I think, with that, and they're not the only one, but they, they think they're bigger than they are and they act bigger than they currently show. And it's all about big statements and the people's club and a new stadium. And actually they need to get the, the real core of what makes a football club correct. And I I don't think Frank Lampard is the worst appointment and he's... He's 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 got loads of great attributes actually, Frank Lampard, but he's probably not quite the right fit for what they need, and it's already starting to get um, toxic again. And this was a p- big problem last season, was the fans turned on the team, 
the team stuttered. It was only when the fans decided, actually, we're going to go down unless we pretend we love them again, that they got over the line and made, <laughs> and made, Goodison, made Goodison a very difficult place to go for the final stage of the campaign. But it started again, as you pointed out, Hugh. There was comical scenes with shirts being thrown back at play. I mean, we're not entirely sure who gave what shirt to who, but it didn't look good. I mean, it didn't look good. And also you think, oh, what have you done to your fans? They've had two trips to, the, it's not the easiest place to get to, from Merseyside to the South Coast. And you lose emphatically on both occasions. Whatever happened, there used to be a golden rule in football if you lost to someone in a cup game and then played them straight away in the league or vice versa, the result would always be different. Aston Villa showed that this week. So it's it's like, God, you can't even learn from your mistakes. What's going on? It's it's not, It's it's suddenly starting to look like it looked when things unravelled last season. And that means there's no progress. And that means it's it's tricky. I'd just be slightly wary of, again, how kind of finely balanced things are for a lot of teams in the bottom half of the, of the division. We remember sitting here two, maybe three weeks ago after G- Stephen Gerrard got the sack and I was saying, I think that they were they were tied with point, on, on points with Aston Villa at that moment in time. And the two kind of atmospheres at the clubs were so different. Frank Lampard seemed to be the golden boy still. Um, because of what he did last season and just he has we were saying that he's found a way of connecting with the club's fan base and a few weeks down the line including after a really good performance against Crystal Palace when they won 3 nil, it's all changed and it's the, the speed with which the, this this can change is is pretty alarming really it's, we can highlight Leeds United as well who you know Jesse Marsh seemed to be um, doomed and a couple of good results later um He's bought some time. So all I'm saying is I wouldn't... Everton have shown flashes have actually been better than I thought they would be. I, I also had them down as relegation candidates. I thought it was going to look quite foolish coming into the season. And I still might. I don't... I, I, something within me thinks that they've got enough to to survive. I think there are some problems that have just never gone away, like Dominic Calvert-Lewin not being able to stay fit and, and score, uh, be there to score the goals. Neil Mopai is kind of was the backup and he's not really done anything. Damari Gray's kind of keeps kind of flitting in and out. Just not enough consistency from everyone, really. And you see, you know, we thought it looked a bit bit more defensively sound with Cody and Tarkowski, but even the players around them, are not, I don't think they can do everything themselves. So, Isn't it a bit weird? I mean, I'm interested in that from your point of view, having played, that they both had a weak game, Cody and Tarkowski. And is, are they such a good partnership that if one's off, the other one's automatically off? It just seemed weird that they both had a bad day at the same time. I don't know to be honest when you had a bad game did the centre back beside you also have a bad game every game well, if he did then we were really screwed <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's just what happened yeah <laughs> uh, let's talk about um, the game between Newcastle and Chelsea a 1-0 win for the Magpies they'll be in the top three at Christmas for the first time since 2001 after their 1-0 win it's a fifth straight victory for Eddie Howe's side Chelsea three straight defeats in all competitions for the first time since 2002 that's excluding shootouts it's time Newcastle were taken seriously isn't it Gregor? Yes absolutely they uh, you know I watched this game they were they were definitely the better team and the the, the kind of intensity they play with now is really 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 impressive Um, as we said before they are a team that's although they've been greatly improved by by additions since uh, since the takeover they're still greater than some of their parts and there's players who you you didn't think would be good enough to kind of stay with this project or, or elevating the, the performances so I absolutely have to be taken seriously Alison said it last week they're kind of a team who's 
overperforming more than anyone since we've seen since Leicester City. And there's a real positive atmosphere there. Um, and, and they deserve to win. They, they absolutely deserve to win. They were more combative, more... That's the kind of thing we've been seeing a little bit too frequently, unfortunately, for... Um, from Chelsea's perspective, that they were they were looked to me again like they were outfought, and they, there was frustrations kind of came to the boil at the end when Kai Havertz came on and he was getting into fracas with people, and Newcastle looked like they wanted it more, to be honest. And it was fine margins, a game of fine margins, and it was a it was a wonderful strike by by Willock that that won it. But um, I thought Newcastle deserved to to get the three points here. There was a small protest before the game, by the way. Was there? Sport, Anti-sports washing. I see. Just thought mention that because okay. some, some fans are at least thinking about their conscience and their soul. So good on them for doing that in the midst of a very good campaign. I did put to Eddie Howe that they reminded me of Leicester and he looked terrified. Like, well, he, he looked terrified because he thought I was going to ask a sports washing question or he was terrified <laughs> that I was implying, do you think you're going to win the league? Just mm. like, what Leicester did and he sort of fell over himself to say oh, well of course I remember what Leicester looked like but um, he didn't want to imply that he thinks they could win the title because that's going to be the question now it's going to be consistently the question not the title Can, yeah no in, top four no no. when I was at the uh, Southampton Newcastle game it was all the local media were asking him can you win the title because Guardiola had said let's not rule out Leicester Newcastle, see, it's there in my head now. Let's not rule out Newcastle also being in this title race because it's been framed as Arsenal v City. And he, Guardiola was saying, well, what about Newcastle? And that terrifies Eddie Howe because he doesn't... It's working at the moment, isn't it? This coming up on the rails, this everyone being surprised each week. But if people start treating them as an elite club with realistic title ambitions, it could it could introduce nerves and a sense of disbelief and maybe a touch of arrogance or something, it will upset the mental balance of the team, which is is that it is like Leicester were, in that nobody really took them seriously until it was too late. They've only conceded um, two goals or more against Liverpool and Manchester City this season, basically. I mean, it's pretty fantastic defence, yeah. um, which this is built on, and the fact that they... They but, just get bodies forward. They get shots off. You know, it's not necessarily work rate from everyone too. Yeah, like Longstaff puts in some some yards. Joe Ellington, Wood. Like listen, listen to these names. Like <laughs> what we're seeing from them. Longstaff Dan looks Byrne, a different player. Char yeah. Char's been brilliant as well under under Eddie Howe. You know, brought him from the cold. And Almiron again is kind of a real threat and one player of the month. So you're Jacob Murphy. Like mm, you know, mm. these these guys were kind of. They were being pilloried because like some of them were getting new five-year contracts just because it was cheaper to to keep on those players and then sign new ones under Mike Ashley. And now we're seeing that they're, they are good players and Eddie Howe's getting the best out of them. So yeah, you know, despite it all, it's, it's been it's been a brilliant achievement by Eddie Howe so far. Any major concerns for Graham Potter and Chelsea? Well, this ah, I'm glad you phrased it like that. You because that is the concern. Is that I don't think he has any concerns. <laughs> Graham Potter, I think, actually believes believes that when he was when he was appointed, they had to sweet talk him. 
you know, he was like, well, I've got a good thing going at Brighton. I don't want to be there for three months. And then you sack me. No, 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 Graham, we won't. We believe in you. We're a different type of ownership. We're going to, we're thinking long term here, long, long term here, Graham. We love you. We love you. <laughs> and he's fallen for it. And it's not true. It's not true. It, it can't be true. How long, how long would, and would Chelsea fans put up with so, so mid-table style performances week in, week out? It, the whole setup, Potter's demeanour included, is one of, I've got time. I've got injuries. I've got problems, but it's all right because I've got time. Instead of thinking, you're Chelsea, you've won stuff. Let's get at this Newcastle team. They're nobodies. It, the, it was deferential. Again, they only really started playing when they were behind. It, this is not normal Chelsea arrogant, strutting play. This is a manager who actually believes he's got several years to perfect a new system at the club. He'll be gone soon. Really? <laughs> Strong? I don't what, think so. One bit of, and not in defence, but just it's worth highlighting, I, I make it that they had seven academy graduates in that starting eleven. So did Frank Lampard. Seven? I'm not sure. He had five, I think, Lampard when he was at Chelsea. Who? Tomori, James, Mount, Abraham, and there was one more, I'm sure. There's one more. Plus, plus, plus. Not, not, and really all together. Youth, plus youth. And really all together. Anyway, all I'm saying is there are injuries. Also, although, also, that some of these are choices because he had Christian Pulisic, Kukurea, ZH, and Havertz all on the bench who came on. So... I just look at the. T- I've just. I've just. Again, I'm just struck by looking at the team, and you've see, you can see Hall, a young left back, uh, Loftus Cheek, Chalaba, Broja, uh, Connor Gallagher, Mason Mount is now elevated to you know absolute guaranteed name on the on the team sheet, um, but it's not it's not Chelsea by any, and you know we've spoken about it, it's not Chelsea anymore because of who's in the dugout and who's who owns them, but it's not Chelsea on on the team sheet either. Not for me. It's not. It's not a kind of band of world class, you know, hugely co- you know expensively assembled uh, squad on the pitch. They've lost their arrogance. Yeah. Because Graham Potter isn't arrogant, which is lovely, and I'm sure he's great to have dinner with. But it's not. It's not going to last like that, is it? Okay. Right. Very quickly, I'll give you ninety seconds on the game that you went to. Everyone can read about it in the Times at the moment. Right in Aston Villa. Yeah, Villa Revolution. Viva la Unai, or something. Um, uh, Yeah, no, I mean, you know, first away win of the season, first time they've got two wins on the trot in the Premier League this season. It's remarkable what a new manager bounce can do, but he's got a fantastic CV, hasn't he, Emery? And just from watching them live, the difference is to me, uh, interestingly, he has instilled a sense of arrogance and ownership of your identity and your destiny and they were fighting and they were strutting and they weren't scared to apply quite ridiculous time-wasting tactics when it suited them and they were picking up bookings left right and center but you know not 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 at risk of anyone being sent off it was a proper battling we do what we can do to make sure we win it and he's got um he's got uh, Danny Ings playing like mm. a proper striker which was always, always one of those juggling acts that Stephen Gerrard never quite pulled off. So it's only two games, so it's slightly silly to call it um, a revolution, but it's, they certainly look different. 
Okay. All right. And Roberto De Zerbi of Brighton um, thanking his players. I quite like that after the game for the fantastic efforts they've put in since he's arrived. And how the nice they've been to him. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and how, how welcome they've made him. I, I did enjoy that. A bit of team spirit at Brighton despite the result. Uh, thank you all for listening. That's just about it. A reminder, we'll got, uh, we've got a couple of World Cup preview shows for you at least. Um, so make sure you stay tuned for them. Hit the notification button. Make sure you're subscribed to The Times as well. So go to the wherever you get your apps from. Download The Times app because all of the World Cup coverage is going to be fantastic. The next time you hear from us, well, apart from the World Cup previews, a couple of us will be in Qatar. Some will be here and we will be doing daily World Cup shows for you. So stay tuned for all of those, all the reactions, all the events at the World Cup, the strange World Cup taking place in Qatar. Uh, anyway, thank you all for listening and I'm sure sure you'll hear my voice soon. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.